0: hello everyone you're listening to the Lucky Star show and Tell podcast and I'm your host Lisa Field owner and director of Lucky Star Art camp. On today's podcast I'll be talking to longtime lucky star camper turned instructor Melissa Gonzalez. Melissa is a museum educator at the Nasher Sculpture Center in Dallas where she leads tours and workshops, develops resources for teachers, and does anything else that falls under the umbrella of education. When she isn't teaching, Melissa spends time with her husband, two kids, and rescue dog. She loves to travel, get lost in a book, watch movies, and sing karaoke all night long. I can't wait for you to hear about the class she's teaching at Lucky Star this year and about how her passion for teaching evolved over the years. Today's podcast is brought to you by Meadowood Creative. Meadowood Creative delivers beautifully packaged branding that brings clients' stories to life. Through artful design, Meadowood Creative helps you to forge valuable connections with your target audience. Meadowood designs for all of your creative needs, including branding, logos, print, websites, murals, patterns, illustrations, and more. Check out meadowoodcreative.com to learn more about it. That's M-E-A-D-O-W-O-O-D-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com. Hello, Melissa Gonzalez. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I am doing really well. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. I just want to chat with you to give all of our campers out there a chance to get to know you a little better And get to know you beyond that bio, you know, and um, it will help them choose their classes. And it also just gives everyone who might be listening um, a chance to learn a little bit more about Lucky Star as well. So my first question is, tell us about you. Where did you grow up? Where do you live? Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas
1: and I now live in Dallas. I've been here for 20 years. Okay, what
0: got you to Dallas?
1: Well, actually, and this is never the story that I like to tell, I came here because of my then boyfriend, now husband. He was looking for a place to uh, complete his medical residency. And I'd actually moved out to where he was in medical school in New Mexico with the deal that we would go wherever I wanted for his residency. And that's before we realized that's not actually how things work. You get matched to a location, but I made him only interview in Texas hospitals. And luckily, Dallas was our top choice, and he was one of their top choices. So we ended up here in Dallas, and we've been here for 20 years.
0: Wow, that's a great story. So since you've been in Dallas, what changes have happened in your life? Where are you right now in life? Oh my gosh, so many changes. Well, first of all,
1: I feel like we were children, you know, 20 years ago. I was so lucky to soon after I moved here to get a job in the education department at the Dallas Museum of Art. And that was really my my top dream for moving here. I'd done an an internship after my college graduation, and that was before I moved to New Mexico to be with my now husband. Um, so I have spent the last 20 years working in museum education, 15 of those, practically 15 of the year, those at the Dallas Museum of Art, and about the last five years at the Nasher Sculpture Center, which is just across the street. Um, in the last 10 years, I've also had two kids. We have remodeled our house once. That was something I never thought I would do because we moved out of our current house for three months. If you had asked me 20 years if I would do that, I would say never in my life. Um, I feel like it's a big deal <laughs> and yeah, I feel like some of my life priorities have really changed. Uh, my body has certainly changed for better or for, for worse. <laughs> what
0: <laughs> Moms unite. <tonight>. Exactly. <laughs> Two of the cutest kids on the face of this planet. I might add, I love watching. I've loved watching them grow up. On social media, I don't get to see them in person, but I've certainly gotten to see them in the cooker and on social media. So that's something I wanted to bring up with you. So one of the years that you came to camp, you were pregnant with, I guess, your little girl, mm-hmm. Eva. Yes, Eva. That's something like you can come to camp and be pregnant.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And feel incredibly nourished by the delicious food and nourished by being with so many wonderful people, Um, getting away from all the planning that you do when you're pregnant and some of the stresses that come along with that. Um, I will also say the only year that I missed of camp was because she was six months old. And I will hold that over her head for the rest of my
0: life. (laughs) I will too. We missed it that year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also possible to come to camp and have little kids at home and pets at home. <laughs> and, all, and all the things, um, that's one of the hardest things, I think for so many women is to just set all of set everything up. It, it takes a lot to get it all right before you can leave. And so many people just decide, oh, I just, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm, I, I just can't make it happen. But you can. And, and you're proof of that. So the first year that you taught at Lucky Star, you did a string art class that was like, okay, everyone. So imagine, like, you have a board, um, like a a sign like a two by six or something and then you're hammering nails into this wood in the pattern that you've designed and then you string around it and make one of those really cool it reminds me of like the god's eye thing that Mm -hmm. everybody made in like um bible school or elementary school so um that was an awesome class and I still have mine actually it's right behind me the one that you gave me and so what what is it about teaching that you love? Why teaching? Uh, the funny thing is,
1: and I'm not answering your question right away, is I had no idea I was interested in teaching. You know, I knew people in college who were intending to teach in school and that sounded like the least what I wanted to do in life. Um, But then the other flip side, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was graduating with an art history degree. And as I mentioned, I had that internship at the Dallas Museum of Art the summer after I graduated, and it just happened to be in the education department. And it was the most serendipitous moment of my life because I realized that, um, you know, when you study art history, everyone asks you want to be a curator. And to me, I also don't want to be a curator. I'm not interested in being an expert. Although I do love to learn, um, and then the next thing everyone asked if you were going to work in an art museum or are you going to be a docent. Well, that wasn't also what I thought I would be, but I learned that I love talking to people. And that summer, it was little kids during summer camp. I love talking to people about art, watching little light bulbs and sparks come up in their eyes, and then also leading simple art projects that were simple to what are similar to what it was that we had just looked at. Um, And that summer I learned that teaching was my passion. And I feel like it's maybe broadened out to other things, but to me, looking at art and visiting art museums can be very intimidating for a lot of people, whether it's a child or an adult. Um, Talking about how you feel and what you see in an artwork, a lot of people feel afraid that there's a right and a wrong answer when there absolutely is is not. So when I approach any teaching situation, whether I'm at the museum or I'm with my kids, trying to teach them how to tie their shoelaces, which is one of the hardest things ever, is just encouragement and a positive attitude and having fun and leave them wanting to do more um, later.
0: I will say that that shines through in all of your classes and, and just, and knowing you, you have a brilliant sense of curiosity that shines through. And I, I love, I also I also love to learn. I love to read. I love to challenge myself to learn new things and to try new things. And um, I feel like that's kind of been a theme at Lucky Star over the past couple of years. And I don't know, maybe it's because we're getting older and... One of the most precious things in life is newness, you know, um, the, the first time of things. And I, I like keeping life fresh like that. And that's kind of what you were just describing to me in the way that you take on um, the way that you approach your classes that you teach. So what classes have you taught at the Nasher? What were you teaching lately?
1: Hmm. So the great thing about working at an art museum is that we have constantly rotating exhibitions, which means every three to six months, I learn about new artists and their artworks. So right there, I have the opportunity to always learn about something new. And that means that even if I am scheduled to give a one hour tour every day of the year, every day will be different because I have different works of art to select from and every group, is completely different from the next, even if they're the same grade or even from the same school, I can ask the exact same question and their answers will be different. And then their answers will take us into a a different path. So uh, yesterday I taught a virtual class with high schoolers, um, which was interesting. Every virtual experience is also completely different. Um, Lately, we've had the privilege of being back at the Nasher. I had been away for a full two years. And we started leading in-person tours this spring. And I almost cried my first one just to be together with students. They happen to be a really sweet group of middle schoolers who were really interested and engaged. Um, you never know how the older kids will react when they're at a museum. So um, yeah, everything, everything is different. And then what our department does is different. And we have a relatively small department. So I might be uh, leading an elementary school tour during the week, and then on the weekend, I might be there for a family day, which I did this last Saturday, and I led short little family tours. We also have programs for people with different um, vision abilities and different hearing abilities, different sensory needs, and so because of the size of our department and because that we try to um, welcome all different kinds of people, I'm always having different experiences, which is one of the things that I love about it.
0: That sounds really exciting. You're making me very interested in like, I, as I have an, a 17 year old, well, almost 17 year old, and also, um, three kids who've already kind of chosen their professions, but these last two, they're complete wild cards. I just, I don't know what they're going to end up doing. (laughs) Emerson claims she wants to be a dentist, but Harrison's just like, eh, I don't know, Mom. And I'm like, I love finding out about new and interesting jobs to suggest because there's always a niche out there for you. And I'm like, the most important thing is to find something that you love and that you're passionate about. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. So were you crafty as a kid?
1: I did love my art classes as a kid, um, and so when I had electives in junior high and high school, I always chose art as an elective. Um, and maybe I don't know if I would say crafty necessarily. I took art in college too, but that was mostly you know to get through my core curriculum classes. Wow. Um, but I was reflecting on this the other day, and something that I think had a great impact on me, and I didn't realize this until really a few years ago is that my mom was always making something. She would take classes with my sisters. I have much older sisters because I, I am my two sisters and closest. Okay, this is confusing. I have five total sisters. And okay. my three oldest sisters are could be my mom if they had children really young. So my parents had older siblings or older children, and then they adopted me and two other sisters who are closer in age to me. So all that to say, I grew up observing my mom and some of my older sisters taking art classes. My mom was always painting and sewing and quilting, um, crocheting and knitting. Sometimes she would let me play with her art supplies if I asked her. But when I think about it, there is something that she's made in just about every room in our house. She and my dad would do woodworking and then they would paint things that would go in our front yard for different holidays. Um, there is stained glass hanging in our windows. And it wasn't ever something that she outright was like, hey, come over and paint with me or go over and do this. It was just something that she did. And it was just always in our house. And then the more I thought about this, I, I think I'm doing this more in a conscientious way, but it's the same with me and my kids. When I was little, I was very deliberate about having them pull out Play-Doh and we'd do Play-Doh together or we would paint together. But now when I pull out my own supplies and I'm trying to do projects that are really more about me lately, particularly in these last two yeah. years, um, my daughter, a little bit more than my son, she'll come over and ask me to join in and I'll give her her own supplies and we'll just kind of do things parallel. She has her own right. ideas. She has a very strong personality. And then sometimes I wish that my son would join in more often, but then I realize he has been drawing like a fiend because for the last year he is obsessed with Godzilla. He draws Godzilla and Godzilla characters every day. So there's still that abs there's still that aspect. I never asked him to draw Godzilla specifically, but there's still art in his life in a way that was not specifically guided by me. And I love it.
0: I love that. That's such a good point to make too because so so many of us have preconceived notions about what an artist is. And you know, that's one of the things that I put front and center on the Lucky Star website is that you don't have to be an artist to be creative or to create or make something. And you don't have to be an artist in the sense that your friend is an artist or may or may not be an artist you know so I I remember Harrison was given an acorn to color when he was in like second grade I think or first grade and I had that acorn hanging on our kitchen wall for the longest time because I was so impressed that he didn't color it like an acorn is colored in real life, he, it was like this totally abstract, beautiful thing. And I was like, whoa, my growing up, my parents, they wanted a painting to look real, like the real thing, like abstract art was not a thing in our house at all, period. If someone could draw really good and it looked just like the thing, they were, you know, experts. They were awesome. And Oh my gosh, my brain just did not go in that direction. I, I kind of went the opposite way, I think. <laughs> and I was so excited when Harrison brought home this acorn that was just like, what? It's it's awesome. But I, I think it's so important for kids to continue with that art education and school. And like, I don't ever want that to be eliminated. Music and arts are so important in, in what we become as a, a grown human. And I'm sure that you get to see that play out every day with what you do. And and I'm excited to hear that you nurture that too at home. It is kind of hard sometimes to have those supplies strewn around the house by your young girl child with a strong mind like mine. <laughs> I have that same girl child in my house. And I'm like, oh, you painted today. Oh, gosh, slime again. You know, thank (laughs) goodness we've grown out of the slime days. Thank goodness. (laughs) What what is it that you're teaching this year at Lucky Star? Can you give us a brief description of your class?
1: Sure. My class is called Play With Paper, um, and that's exactly what we'll be doing. It has the simplest art supplies, which is just heavyweight paper, like cardstock, scissors and hole punchers and a hot glue gun. And what I love about the projects in my class is that you start with something as simple and basic as paper, which is something that you use almost every day. And just through the simple act of cutting and folding and gluing and stapling, we're gonna make some projects that to me, I keep looking at these flowers that I made as a sample and telling everyone, it's like I bought them at Paper Source. And I can't believe I made them with my own two hands. And it's not because I was trained in paper sculpture, um, but because the the techniques are so simple and so doable, they can have such um, a brilliant product. And I will say, um, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I'm, I'm very positive and encouraging when it comes to working with people who are making art projects. And I've had a ton of experience with, um, elementary students. And I usually am all about, you know, it's all about the process. It's about trying something new. It's about learning something new. And when would you ever expect your first thing to be perfect? Say you're starting to run. When would you ever expect your first race to be your fastest? And so the first time you try something is just for the experience of trying that new thing, which I think is so great for people of all ages. Um, but on the flip side with this one, <laughs> you can come out with such really fun things to take home and be proud of and hang up in your house. So I think there's such value in both both ideas.
0: That That's always fun when you can try something new and walk away with something that you're proud to give to someone as a gift or hang in your house. And like, I love seeing all of my things that I've made at camp hanging around my house or things that I've purchased at the show and tell market on the Saturday night of camp from either a camper or one of the instructors who's selling their things that they've made. I, there's just something next level special about those things, especially when you know the story behind the art and the artist. What is it about paper? Is it that simplicity that you spoke about? What is it about paper that made you land on this idea for a class?
1: Well, I think there are two different things. There's the the long ago story or just the fact that I've always loved paper, you know, as a child that came through and like my Hello Kitty notepads that were frankly too special for me to ever use. And I think I, I totally have still seen them, too. yes, in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> And then as I get older, maybe it's the the purposeful buying of beautiful stationery or cool notebooks. Again, I have so many empty notebooks that I have intentions using, but I love the paper. Um, and then, you know, I used beautiful cherry blossom paper for my wedding invitations. And that has popped up so many times. Um, and the fact that in the last year, I just got a cherry blossom tattoo on my forearm. So paper has always attracted me, Um, and, you know, paper is an ancient art form, which I think, you know, that might be neither here nor there. The more specific story was that I was looking for uh, an easy holiday craft project for my daughter's class. She is in first grade, and she's in a mixed class of first through third graders. So I wanted to help out our teacher and provide an art activity that I could just put in baggies give her all the instructions and the materials and be easy and hopefully give her a little bit of a break right before the, the winter break started. And so I started searching for basically holiday ornaments or holiday decorations. And we ended up with an ornament that we just used cardboard and, and yarn and pom-poms. So something else that's like super easy around the house. But because I was searching for ornaments, Pinterest, of course, populated my feed mm-hmm. with a million trillion projects. And a lot of them were paper ornaments. And I realized I have actually made a lot of paper ornaments in the past for family and friends. My daughter and I have um, folded a lot of origami together. That was one of her favorite activities to do when she was home uh, during the pandemic. And so, I don't know, I guess I've always been attracted to paper and there's just such a great sense of, it's just so doable, right? I'm not trying to paint a realistic watercolor painting Um, I am folding paper and it's very forgivable. And depending on the colors and the patterns that you use, it is, can also come out very beautiful and very striking.
0: I agree. I totally agree. What would you say it could be a what, it could be a who, what influenced your life's path the most?
1: I think I would point back to that serendipitous internship at the Dallas Museum of Art because otherwise I had no idea what I was going to do as a job or a career. And that led me into my profession, which I luckily love. You know, I've met people during my life who have a job that's a job and that's very important, you know, to have a job so you can support yourself and or your family. And I feel so fortunate that I have a job that I look forward to, a job that invigorates me. I'm a Leo, so I don't mind the attention that teachers have. I love giving talks um, and I love the energy that a teaching situa- situation um, creates both with others and inside me. So that internship, if I had not gotten that, I Honestly, I don't know what I would have done because I was, I earned an art history degree. And at that time, museum education was a very young profession and was not offered, museum education classes were not offered at the school that I went to. I went to school thinking that I would be a biology major, and I never once took a biology class. So I decided to get all my electives out of the way. And then by the time I was ready to start biology, they told me that they wanted to keep it for all the freshmen who are coming in, who would be pre-med students. And that was really sad for me. I know. (laughs) But thinking about your son Emerson, who doesn't know, I think it's okay not to know. I am part of that idea. I really think it can be scary for both students and parents alike There is this idea that you have to have a life path. Um, And for that reason, I do as many high school and younger career days as I possibly can. And I start off by telling them that I didn't know what I was going to do and that I wanted to be a biology major. And then when I fell in love with my art history classes, I changed my mind. I also told them I had a lot of temporary jobs and jobs in between, too, and that it's Okay, to change your mind and not be sure. And hopefully, if you follow what it is that you're interested in, you'll find that passion and be able to follow that.
0: And then you follow the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. I have such strong feelings about this whole thing. I absolutely agree with you. And I know that it's just as important to figure out what you don't want to do by trying than it is or as it is to figure out what it is that you want to do. And if you don't take that step and try something, you will never know. And and just forward motion, right? I mean, you just have to keep moving. I I love that same age group that you're talking about, those young adults, adolescents that are old enough to start thinking about their future, but not necessarily there yet and still very open to exploring and trying new things and still very curious and if you can just get their attention for just a little bit get their head out of their phone or the device <laughs> and and let them allow them to experience new things I, I think and that that does not just apply to kids it, it applies to adults too you know, two years ago at Lucky Star, Sean and I did a panel discussion on curiosity um, that was so much inspired by Janet Smith's um, oh, her decision to try 60 new experiences in her 60th year. Mm-hmm. And this keeps coming up again and again. And I, I just, I love the idea of challenging yourself to try new things. And um, I I would challenge everyone to try paper crafts and and play with paper with Melissa at camp this year. Uh, It is, it's so exciting to throw a party and have your own homemade decorations or to give a gift and have something that you made to give to someone or like you said, to hang it in your house. Do you have um, lots of your art from camp hanging around in your house? I know you said you have a lot of your mom's artwork, but do you also have some things that you made at camp at Lucky Star?
1: Yes. There are two paintings by fellow campers and instructors in my bedroom. It's a gorgeous um, peacock painting by Heidi Lowell. Oh, yeah. And... Um, Painting of an Apple by Tricia Alexander. Oh, yeah. I have two beautiful paintings by Leslie Grecki, and I wish I could buy a million more and just put them all over the place. (laughs) I know. Um, I love her. I'm trying to think of some other things. I know I have projects that have made their way into my house. Um, I can't think of them all. Oh, and... My husband teases me because just about every T-shirt that I wear is a Lucky Star T-shirt or a Mandy Rowden T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, totally. That goes for sweatshirts, also. I have jewelry that I bought at the market that I wear all the time. My hat, my Lucky Star hat, I wear almost every day that it's sunny. Um, it Lucky Star has just infiltrated every part of my life, and like you said, Lisa, it's not easy to get away for five days if you have young kids or if you have old kids and the first year that I went I remember emailing you and asking if there was a cancellation option because at that point my young my oldest son would be 13 months at our first camp and you're like well (laughs) if something really major comes up yes luckily I didn't have to cancel but those early years um wasn't easy you know my husband is a physician and his schedule can be very demanding and it particularly was when my kids were young on top of that my husband's birthday almost every year falls on <laughs> camp and I know I've talked to you at different lunches and dinners and saying oh Lisa if it could be the last week of October or the second bring week of bring him November and stash I him in
0: a cabin down <laughs> the road I think I actually told you that.
1: You have told me that and I was like, Oh, I like that idea too. And I know one person's concern over one person's grown husband on his birthday is is not your top priority. But we have conversations and he knows how rejuvenating it is for me to spend those five days up at Lucky Star and how heartbreaking it was for me to miss it the year that my daughter was six months old and then also in 2020. And he gets it. And I throw him surprise parties anyway to try and make and make up to it for, his, the, for me not being there for his birthday. But now I'm rambling again. Oh, just the fact that Lucky Star is a huge part of my life. And it, it's like not even a question if Lucky Star is going to be part of my fall every year, unless there was something really major going on.
0: Is there some new art medium or project... On your horizon that you want to try?
1: You know, something that I've tried to pick up over the last few years, So all my classes have been virtual, have been watercolor. And I think I took one watercolor class at Lucky Star also, but that's something that I would love to practice more. Um, the looseness of watercolor is greatly antithetical to my need for control. And so I feel like I should practice that more. So if there are opportunities to to play around with watercolor, um, there are so many classes that have happened over the years that I haven't been able to take. And I always hope that they'll fall in my schedule for the coming year. Um, for example, like just lettering and things like that. I can't say that there's anything new, but there are so many things that I haven't done that I'm always excited to see what there is. Um, Something else that I thought was very freeing for me after a couple of years at Lucky Star is sometimes you take this class and you take home this expectation that you're gonna keep doing this art making process or working with this material. And I would sometimes feel guilt that I never picked it up again. And sometimes I didn't finish my unfinished projects. Then I realized more than anything for me, Lucky Star is about the experience and about learning something new and being open to that and doing that new thing during class and letting go of those guilt and expectations, because that is also super opposite of anything that I want to take away from camp. So if I do something after, then I feel excited. And if I don't, uh, and I see the packet that my instructor gave me in my cabinet, I still have fond memories of that class. And I think to myself, maybe I'll do that. Um, but just being really generous with myself because during those five days, you have five days to make things. Then you come back to your normal life where sometimes it's hard to carve out that time or that space. I took the burn and spit class with Rena. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many years ago. And all I had to do was seal that tabletop and add the legs. And I did that. Dude, last I'm year. right
0: there with you. I, I love looking at my <laughs> yeah. unfinished piece when I take a glance at it because it's beautiful, but I never sealed it or put the legs on it. I actually, I was going to make mine into a lazy Susan and I still want it. And But like so many things in my life, it's on this list. It's about a mile long that in my naivety, I think I will still get to it at some point. And maybe I will, darn it. But I, I like that you said that because I always try to tell people that the classes, you most people coming in, especially new campers, think that the classes are everything. And it could be upsetting if you don't get the class that you wanted or, you know what I mean? But I always try to tell everyone that In all honesty, the classes are only about 20% of the experience. The spending the time with people, being in this place, learning something new, even if it's not what you had in mind, there's always so much inspiration and so much that you can learn from that. Um, and, And literally just hanging out around the campfire, eating in that dining hall, and Allowing yourself the time and space to do this for yourself, heck, that's like 50% of the experience in itself. That is just so important. Like It's so important. And then to have the support, the support of all of these women that you meet and then to be able to follow them and um, share with them in our social media channels, in our Galaxy Facebook group, it's just, it enriches, it has enriched my life a whole lot. And I, I hear that from campers all the time. And that's one of the things I think I'm the proudest of is just this community that we've made and it is, it's, it's 10 years of community. Yes. How many years have you been at camp? Is it like eight Eight? Well, I just missed the one year
1: and then and then the one year that we didn't have it. So
0: yeah, so eight in person, nine in spirit. Yes. <laughs> in 2020, how, yes. I'm like, it counts, darn it. Because yes. we were together in spirit. And you were at our virtual campfire that mm-hmm. Mandy did for us um when we would have been having camp in 2020. I'm yep. so happy that we're back in person again. It just did not feel right to not get together that year.
1: I agree. I mean, of all the years that it would have helped my soul to be
0: together, um, that was sad that we missed that. So I'm glad that we're back. Hallelujah. All right. My last question is the same to everyone, and it is, if you had something to show and tell about right now, what would it be? While you're thinking, I'm just going to tell everyone – that on the last night of camp, we have what we call show and tell, which is very much like back in kindergarten when you were charged with bringing something from home and showing your friends in your class and telling them about it. And so it could have been a baby sister or it could have been a coin that your grandfather gave you. It could be any, anything And I always loved that day at school. It was on Fridays in kindergarten for me and I looked forward to it every week. So we implemented that at Lucky Star so that people would have a chance to show us their work from the week um, and tell us all about their experience in that class. So do you have anything? I um, just created this embroidery project
1: it's actually a kit that I ordered online from a woman who is based in Australia. Her company name is called Waddle and Loop, and she um, provides a template that you can use and then um, a background piece of fabric, which for this project was a piece of, uh, like, white quilted fabric. And then she provides smaller fabric swatches that she says are new, vintage, and um reclaimed or resourced pieces of fabric. So you follow this process of cutting out the pieces and then embroidering them onto this larger piece of quilted fabric in the background. And it's a floral design of the, um, I don't know now what the name of the, the flower is, but it's sort of a, an abstract design. But what was kind of special to me about it, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually bought it because in 2020, I was talking a lot to my best friend who also happens to live in Australia and we didn't, this all was sort of a coincidence and we would zoom and we're like, let's do a creative project together. So we each bought this project and we were going to talk, you know, every couple of weeks and spend an hour or two and do a different step of the project. Well, We got as far as cutting out the template and tracing it. (laughs) And then then the project sat (laughs) on my dining room bench, which is a horrible catch-all for things, uh, for over a year. And I would look at it, and then finally I kind of put it away. And then it was um, Mother's Day on Sunday when my kids were playing in the playroom. And I was thinking to myself, what do I want to do for myself today? Because my husband was out of town for work. And at first I was going to, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to bring out paint. And I'm going to say, we're all going to paint together. And I was like, well, that forced Mm -hmm. art making, I think, is not really what I want to do today. I was like, well, maybe I'll bring out my paints. And if Eva wants to join me, she can. And then I thought about this project. And we have this really comfortable couch in our playroom. It's actually, you know, our first couch in our first home. It's my favorite. It's purple, um, which... Might come as a surprise, I like the color purple, yes. (laughs) And it's overstuffed, and it's usually covered in toys, so I took all the toys off. My kids were playing on the floor, and I just sat, and for, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm a terribly, um, you know, immobile person, (laughs) but I sat for like (laughs) five hours, and I pretty much finished the project almost entirely in one day, and it brought me such joy. It was kind of an example of something that I felt like had so many steps ahead of it that I didn't want to start it. But once oh, yeah. I started it, it was so easy and the instructions were so easy and the the product ended up being incredibly beautiful. And I keep looking at it and now I'm thinking to myself, do I want to buy some more projects for her? Or I actually have some other floral ideas that I can design based on how she set up her kit. And I'm thinking about doing some of those in the future on my own,
0: but I would definitely bring that. So it sounds like applique. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That sounds awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. I
1: mean, maybe that will turn into a future class. I don't know.
0: Maybe so. I love applique. I, I think that would be fantastic. That would be a great class idea. Melissa, it's been so wonderful to talk with you today. I look forward to your class this fall and I cannot wait for camp and for you to be there as an instructor again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. I so enjoyed it. It's not enough for me to see me
1: see you one time a year. So it's good to see Mm -hmm. and talk to you.
0: All right. Have a good day.